Hi, everyone. On this episode of Me, You, and Who, we are talking to Julie Velasquez. She is a three-time gestational carrier. She carried in 2015, twins in 2017, and her last journey ended in 2020. Julie has pumped for all three of her Suro babes, as well as breastfed her two sons for 13 months each. She has since become a doula and lactation consultant and actually has that on pause while she is currently in school to become a registered nurse so she can help more women in a hospital setting. Julie took the time with us to speak on what it is to pump as a surrogate, tips and tricks. We even have a discussion about shipping um, and all of those nitty gritties that those questions just come up as you're discerning whether or not you want to be uh, choose to pump for your journey. Um, so we are so grateful to Julie for sharing her story as a surrogate, as well as being just a wonderful resource um, for what it looks like to pump um, for as a gestational carrier. So thank you, Julie, and please enjoy Julie Velasquez. Me, you, and who? Who knew it would take more than two people to have a baby? In a world where infertility is no longer a taboo topic, this podcast will take you through all the different aspects of surrogacy and egg donation through the lens of many who walk this journey in different ways. My name is Whitney Hall, and I am a two-time surrogate, now-turned-surrogacy coordinator for Egg Donor and Surrogate Solutions, the very agency I used when I chose to carry for two amazing families. With this podcast, it is our goal to help guide and support you as you learn about what it takes to grow a family in an alternative way, as well as hear inspiring and beautiful stories of how this path has changed lives forever. We can't wait for you to hear about just one more way happy families are created every day. Well, I super, you taking the time out of your incredibly busy schedule already um, to just have this conversation with me. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, obviously like birth work is a passion of yours. How did you, did you do surrogacy and then go into lactation and how did all, what was that timeline? I did. So I kind of knew, um, that I always wanted to be a nurse. Um, but I had little kids. Like I had decided after I had kids that that's what I wanted to do. Um, but I also knew what went into nursing school and I knew that I needed to be like in a season of like my kids being a little bit older. Um, and then I also, the timing was kind of perfect because I knew that it was going to be my last journey. And I'm thinking like, oh my gosh, what am I supposed to do with my life <laughs> if I'm not having babies? Like, I literally didn't know what to do with myself. So I was like, well, I could help other people with their babies. So I was like, I think I was six months pregnant in my last journey. And I decided, okay, I'm going to get my doula certificate and I'm going to get my lactation certificate. And that is just, that's what I'm going to do. So it was kind of like that. I knew one chapter was ending, but I wanted uh -huh. to, to like go on forever. So I was like, okay, like let's start to put the, the pieces in place so that when I'm done, I'm not completely crushed. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. 
Well, okay, so for, so I fully understand. So you have how many kiddos? I have two boys. They are two um, boys. 11 and 12. They're both currently home with the flu. Oh, babies, poor things. Oh, no. I know, it's so it's sad. It's always something. It's always yeah. something. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I have two boys. They're um, 11 and 12. So that was 2010 and 2012. Okay. I had them. And um, I knew before I even had my own kids, like it was always like a conversation. It was, I don't know, it was really weird, but just my husband knew when we were done having our own babies that I was going to be having babies for somebody else. Like he knew oh, that. Wow. Yeah. How did, so, how did you know that? Like what, what, how did surrogacy kind of fall into your world? So my sister, um, actually, this is a long time ago. So this was in 2008, I think uh -huh. it was. She applied to be a surrogate. I never heard of it before. I was completely fascinated all, you know, immediately. Um, but she ended up getting pregnant with her baby before she could actually pursue it it was her second baby so before uh -huh. she could actually pursue it um but that's where it came into my mind she never ended up being a surrogate but that's the first time that I had heard of it and I was like yeah. that's it when I'm done having you know when I'm done having my family that's what I'm going to do so then that was like 2008 I had my babies in 2010 and 2012 um and in 2014, I, you know, had a conversation with my husband and I said, okay, like I, we're done, right? Like we're finished. And yeah. we had two boys that were 18 months apart. So we were like, we knew we were done. <laughs> we knew like, that's it. Like I, we're not bringing any more babies home. Um, so yeah, so 2014 started this all for me. And I had um, my first Soro babe in 2015. She'll be nine next month. It was like two days before Mother's Day, the day before Mother's Day. Oh, how magical. That I had had her. Yeah. Um, we still keep in touch on Facebook and stuff. So it's super sweet. They live um, in South Florida, which is like five hours from me. But whenever we get down there, we absolutely, you know, connect. Um, <laughs> And then after that, it was kind of just like, this was the most amazing experience I've ever had oh. in my entire life. Um, and I think like 90% of surrogates will probably say like, I don't want to, the feeling is so amazing. It's kind of like, uh -huh. I just, I have to do this again. Yeah. I feel like I barely run into any surrogates who are like very one and done type of a, unless that was like their decision going into it. Like, I know sure. this is what I'm doing. I'm going to sure. have one and then that's going to be it. Um, but most of the time it's kind of like, oh my God, that was so great. Like, I want to do it again. Sure. Um, and that was a hundred percent my experience as well. So, um, I did, I did it again. There was, um, um, male couple in South Florida and, um, they had actually had me and another surrogate lined up at the same time. Um, and the other surrogate ended up falling through 
right before contracts after like okay. they you know it's, it's it's expensive so they put a good amount of money into the surrogate making sure she was vetted and it didn't work out and at that point I asked my husband you know we had like a big huge conversation about maybe possibly um, transferring to embryos because at this point I've been with these guys for like a year you know like you've seen sure. all of this unfold you're now like best friends with them you sure. know like the empathy yeah. is there and you want this so bad for them you know oh, you've wow. seen the financial strain too that you know that they had now gone through losing a surrogate absolutely so um I approached them and I said you know I would totally consider, you know, I'm transferring to, yeah. and they of course took me up on that offer. <laughs> um, and we did, um, one embryo from each dad. Okay. Yeah. With the same egg donor. Um, and both of them stuck on the first oh. try. Oh my gosh. Yeah. How magical it was. It was so great. It was uh, seriously, it was, it was, it was magical. Like exactly magical was the thing. Um, so yeah, they had boy girl twins. Um, one from, so they each have a biological uh -huh. kid and then their kids are also. Of the um, same yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's like all like full circle, kind of like crazy situation, um, but it was so perfect. Um, I delivered at 37 weeks via C-section and it was amazing. And again, I still like see them and talk to them and um, they're very, very open with their twins who just turned six oh. about how they how they came to be you know yeah. in the whole situation i just recently i had um sent them a video for their birthday that was in january and he sent me a video back of them both talking about like me carrying them in their belly and like it was just like the sweetest thing i was like oh my god this is like it couldn't get any better oh yeah so that was super sweet uh, they named the girl after me which was like Oh my yeah. gosh, what an honor. Oh, was, what yeah. an honor. I know. Seriously, that I was like, oh my God, this is like the best thing ever. Um, but yeah, we're really close. And I don't know. They are they're forever like the most grateful, you know, for me. But at the same time, I just feel just as grateful for them because, you know, I don't know, they've have done a lot for our family. Of you course, know? Of so yeah, so that was super great. That was 2017. I delivered them in January. And then... Um, and you went back for one more time, even after I twins. Did, I <laughs> did. There was a stipulation that I'm not transferring to embryo. Successful. <laughs> one only. Like, that was absolutely the thing, which is not... Um, it's not uncommon. There's lots, you know, there's lots of people and there's a lot of like, it was a good match because they only yeah. wanted one, you know, yeah. like they didn't want to, they, that was not their thing. Um, again, it was another Florida couple. So all of my surrogacies have been from people in Florida, coincidentally, like it wasn't, I wasn't looking for that. Um, sure. 
but it would just that just happened to how it worked out um which was also good because that means that their clinics were in florida and there wasn't like flying and like all of you know this stuff uh but yeah so then i transferred um one single girl we knew it was going to be a girl no a boy i'm sorry a boy um because she already had a girl so she knew that she wanted a boy um and yeah i had delivered in july 2020 Wow. and i can't believe it's almost been three years because it literally feels like yesterday but uh -huh. yeah almost three years now so when i was six months pregnant with that journey that's when i decided okay like it's getting close <laughs> i better do something else with my life sure well and so then three of those you had chosen to also pump for everybody and so yeah. I feel like there's the journey of just being a surrogate. You, you're matching, you're getting to know these people and you're carrying a baby or babies. And then there's the decision of, okay, well, am I going to pump? Am I not going to pump? You know, things like that. What was, what was your experience with your keepers as far as just your own, you know, breastfeeding or pumping journey? And then kind of what led you to decide that you did want to pump as a surrogate? So I exclusively breastfed both my babies until they were 13 months old. Um, so when the first family approached me about pumping, I was like, yeah, absolutely. Like, I think that's great. Like, I don't, I've never done it before. I have no clue what I'm doing, but yeah, like, let's do it. Yeah. Um, and I really had no clue what I was doing. <laughs> I really had no clue. I didn't realize like the commitment that it was going to be because it is, you don't have a baby and you're still waking up every three hours to pump, you know, and then there's yeah. the washing the bottles and like the whole thing. Right. Um, but for me, I feel like it was almost an extension of the journey. Uh -huh. It was the perfect middle ground for me to still um contribute without you know carrying a baby sure. sure so i pumped for them for all it wasn't that long um because the logistics of shipping it was just not something that they were like super interested in but after that you know three months of pumping for them it was kind of something i was like I was, i'm pretty good at this okay. like I'm all right at this. So I um, ended up signing up with the Premium Milk Bank okay. and donating to them for a little while. And then I weaned for my next journey. Okay. So as far as going back to what you said, you had no idea what, were you, what you were doing. What sort of guidance or research did you do to feel confident in. So there was a ton of research happening. Um, a lot of it was super contradictory, like uh, um, <sighs> pumping. There's like 80%, I think the statistics is of women will pump at some point in their breastfeeding journey, whether it's going back to work, whether it's having, you know, somebody else help feed the baby, sure. you know, whatever, maybe even by choice. Um, but the research, it would, there was just not a lot of information. There was a Facebook group for exclusively pumping after surrogacy, 
which literally I got all of my information from. There was a wealth of knowledge for me. Um, So just having other people going through the same experience that you're going through, trying all the things, saying, no, wait, this is not what to do. You know, this is what to do. Um, Mm -hmm. That was really, um, it was really eye-opening, you know, too, because when I started my lactation journey, it was like, I... I could feel that there was so much misinformation out there and not a lot of information out there that that is something that I felt like it, we could really improve on. Yeah. Yeah. So you had your first, you did three months and then you did your preemie bank. And then with your second journey, you knew you were going to want to pump as well. So they were super um, interested in the whole breast milk situation. Okay. They were like really into it. And I pumped for them for an entire year. Uh They fed their babies milk or breast milk. So um, that was really cool. Um, And even after that, I I pumped for a little while after that. I think I ended up pumping maybe like 14 months. So whatever was extra, there was other... There's always babies that need breast milk, like yeah. everywhere. Yeah. You know, whether it's an, an adoption or another surrogacy or just local moms who don't produce enough. So there was a lot of donating happening after that. Sure. Um, and again, I weaned for my next journey. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. And then you did. So not only did you, you were on your third journey at six months, you decided you were going to pursue further birth work. Yeah. How, how did that all come into play? And then on top of that, you're pumping. So like, tell us more, what's been kind of the highlight of all of that? And how did you decide that that was what you wanted to do? Um, I don't, I feel like it was such an organic way that it all came about, you know, from, um, just all this, I feel like it was a surrogate journey. And then like, a small pumping journey and then a surrogate journey and then a medium pumping journey and then a surrogate journey. And it was like, this is, and I think also me knowing that it was going to be my last, it kind of made me think of like where I was going from here. So after my last journey, um, I ended up pumping for two years. Oh my goodness. Yes. Yeah. And I found um, local um, and long distance, long term donors. There was two main families um, and I shipped to them religiously. Um, Yes. And it was again, it was great. (laughs) Like, I don't know. I have nothing ever bad to say about surrogacy or my pumping journey. I just feel like it was just really meant to be in like this really weird way. Cause none of it was planned. None of this was planned. It yeah. just kind of happened. Um, and even me now doing lactation and, you know, doing the doula thing. And then I'm still thinking of like, okay, so like I have this business and I'm in lactation, I'm doing this doula thing, but, um, it's, uh, all self-pay, so there's no insurance that's helping, and that means that I could really only help a certain population. Sure. 
And then that population is limited because I'm only one person and I can only be, you know, so many places at one time. So again, I'm like evolving and I'm thinking like, how can I see more people? How could I see a more diverse group of people? And then that led me to working in a hospital. So, you know, researching that, you come to find out you have to have an RN to Mm -hmm. work lactation in a hospital. Okay. So, then you go to nursing school. (laughs) (laughs) And here we are. So at this point, there is no lactation business. There are no doula clients. I am like fully immersed in um, nursing school um, so that hopefully on the other side, I could like make a greater impact, especially in the county that I'm in. It's just not uh, lactation, like support is not a thing. There's, you know, it's either... You have WIC, which we have super amazing um, lactation count or um, counselors at WIC, like super amazing um, in Hernando County. And then you have like self-pay and there's like no middle ground and there's no lactation in either one of our hospitals that we have in the county. So moms are leaving, you know, and there's there's no help, there's no support, there's no guidance mm-hmm. and they're just kind of stuck. So I was like, you know, I, I could help that. I could change that. I could try anyway to, you know, be the bridge. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and not only are you supporting, you know, whether it be independent parents, but, and, and just, you know, moms with keepers, but you're also supporting other potential surrogates as they're about to go through their journey and, and things like that. That's amazing. Okay. So not to like going back a little bit in your timeline. So you you went into birth work as a doula and as a lactation consultant. Did you yourself during any of whether it was your keepers or any of your journeys, did you have a doula? I didn't. You didn't. Okay. I didn't even know what they were. I didn't know that they were a thing. Now hindsight, if I knew what a doula was, oh my gosh, yes. Like why wouldn't I want that? You know, like okay, <laughs> who so would want who, somebody telling yeah. you that you're you can do it and you're amazing in that. Like, you know, like who wouldn't want that? All of that. Sure. So for those who may be, you know, don't know, what is a doula? What what do you do as a doula? So I would be a support person for mm-hmm. pregnancy, labor delivery, and postpartum. So I would be um, an educational source. Um, I would be... Um, emotional support. Mm-hmm. Um, I am not a medical professional. Okay. So I am there to um, support and educate mom during her pregnancy and postpartum labor delivery situation. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can, you know, give you resources and education and help support you on making the best decisions for you. Um, because I feel like there's a lot of non-information, you know, women go through pregnancy and they just think like, this is the way that it's supposed to go. They don't know their options. Right. So, um, that's what I'm there for. I'm there to like help and guide and support. And, you know, during labor and delivery, I could be, um, not only a support person for you, but like 
your partner as well. So I'm not like taking the place of the partner, but I'm maybe helping the partner support their partner as well. Sure. Sure. How, what would be, or have you ever done a, have you been a doula for a gestational carrier and an intended parent birth? No. No. So I always tease um, that that would be like end goal, right? That I would be like this liaison middle person between the, um, the IPs and the surrogate. And I would just show up at these births and I would just like coordinate it all and make everybody like so wonderful and happy. And, um, I think that would be amazing, but I do think that doulas could serve, um, a super great, um, to be like there and help facilitate the birth. Because I remember my, um, my first surrogacy, the the IPs didn't make it. They weren't mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, I had my husband and he's great, but how great would, have had, would it have been to have somebody there, you know, who actually knew what I wanted, you know, sure. who knew what to do without even me having to say anything that they were just there. And then to have somebody kind of, um, I had never met my IPs before that either. Oh, wow. Yeah. So the first time that I met them, they were literally coming in to not only meet me, but meet their baby. Oh, my goodness. So it was there was some awkwardness. Um, Of course, we had talked like a million times on the phone. Um, But I just I do. I always think of like how how great it would be to have like that middle person kind of there. Um help just like coordinate it and kind of like give it a tone. Um, Sure, sure. What benefit specifically for intended parents do you feel like a doula could be? So I feel like intended parents don't always, and I I don't want to speak for them, but they don't always know where they fit. Okay, like physically in the delivery. Okay, yes. Yes, so I feel like... um, Again, educating, right? Telling them exactly what's going on, um, helping to um, maybe like bridge the gap between um, it's my baby, but it's my body. Um, Because I feel like there is, there could be um, in some situations, especially if it's like a medical situations where it's like, but this is my baby, but this is my body, maybe like lots of education to help allow them to make the best decisions. Um, Mm -hmm. And then just kind of like physically how to be there. Yeah. For each other type of a sure. thing. Sure. Sure. Well, almost, I mean, when the nurse, when labor and delivery nurses are there, they're really focused on the delivering person. So it seems like that doula would kind of, like you said, that gap of I'm, while the nurses are attending to the obvious medical needs, the doula could almost attend to those emotional, that emotional space that's being exactly. created as yeah. well as being an educator. Yeah. Yes. Oh, that's great. That's a really, that's a super fantastic resource. Super fantastic. Okay. So on the lactation side of things, 
Did you ever have, well, you said your county did not have a lactation consultant. So you mostly did research or had your, the social media as your resource. Yeah. Yeah. I did not have um, anybody physically to help me um, try to like figure it out. Um, So I felt like it now looking back, it could have been a lot easier if somebody was there, you know, just literally giving me the information that I needed instead of me like researching and researching and, you know, lots of trial and error. Um, which is still a thing because it's not a one size fits all type of a situation when it comes to breastfeeding and pumping, but, um, the amount of time spent, um, and money too, because you're trying all of these different things. What would you say would be maybe just some of the basic advice that you would give to a GC or gestational carrier or intended parents as they're kind of going on? this journey of, or the pumping aspect of that journey? Sure. So just like basic things, like, um, make sure that you have a good pump, um, make sure that your phalange are sized correctly. I did not even know it came in other sizes. Um, so, and a lot of lactation support, they don't know how to correctly size. So that's like a big controversy in the lactation world at the moment is, um, you know, oh, well, I was sized. Well, you weren't sized correctly. Mm -hmm. Um, And that size of the flange is not only going to affect like pain, it's also going to affect your milk yield as well. So that's super important. Make sure that you're sized correctly. Make sure that you are on a schedule and that you're pumping for 30 minutes every two to three hours. Your body is literally um, supply and demand. So you have to make sure that you're telling your body that you need the milk. Um, Other than that, like those are the big takeaways that are super easy to remember. Um, Mm -hmm. And then like, take care of yourself. Yeah. You know, make sure that you're eating healthy and that you're drinking all the water and, you know, taking deep breaths and (laughs) (laughs) breathing. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's definitely could definitely do it. It is a lot of hard work. But um, I think the end reward is is yeah. totally worth it. The water one was always, I remember sitting down to pump for, um, you know, for my keepers and then also for my own journeys. And I remember always forgetting my water and having to be like, someone, babe, <laughs> babe, just become so thirsty. And I was like, yeah. I do this every time. <laughs> <laughs> the water. Yes. You cannot drink enough. Always the water, always the water. Is there any way, how were you supported by your intended parents or were you supported by your intended parents during your pumping journey or was that mostly your own support system? Um, To no fault of their own. I don't think that any of them had ever pumped or even breastfed their own babies um, because 
Well, my first IP, she only had surrogates. Okay, so yeah. she never physically had her own baby. Um, so to no fault of their own, I don't think that they really know what's going in it. Mm -hmm. um, they supported me financially. Right. Yeah, no, for sure. So, for sure. I mean, there was definitely something there to where I felt appreciated because uh -huh. they're willing to pay for this service, which meant they thought that it was worth it. Yeah. Um, so I think coming up with, uh, an, a good compromise of how the surrogate feels appreciated, no matter how that, you know, that works out. Um, yeah. and that, the um, IPs think that it's worth it, right. Yeah. Finding that compromise, I think is really, uh, a key. Um, but, uh, it was mostly like, I mean, my husband supported me a ton, which is crazy because the amount of time that goes into pumping uh -huh. is pretty intense. Um, <laughs> but the way that he supported me was not complaining. <laughs> you know, it, I mean, it seems so silly, but it was really huge that when we were out somewhere and I would say, okay, like, I have to go pump. He would just say, okay. okay. Yeah. You know, and yeah. that was like a really big deal that it was like, I knew how much this is, you know, taking away, but I think he also knew how much it was contributing to our family and how, mm. um, how mentally it was contributing to me because yeah. like I said, it was such a, a good, um, transition from being pregnant and doing this amazing thing, right? And then sure. it's like, well, crap, what do I do now? So this was like, it was like a good transition for me emotionally. Um, and I think that he could just see that. Like, this is what I wanted to do and it made me happy. And that was the way that he supported me was by not complaining and being yeah. understanding. No, you know, he sure. wasn't. He wasn't washing the bottles and you know like he wasn't doing any of that but just him not rolling his eyes every time I'd be like you know even if we're having company it's like okay like I, I'm gonna go now you know and he was like okay like yeah. that was just that was just it and like that I don't know and I my friends were super great too because I mean they had to explain why their friend who did not have a, a baby <laughs> has to leave to go pump, you know, like, sure, sure. So I'm, well, I mean, everybody, like you said, still waking up in the middle of the night, it's leaving, you know, whatever occasion you're at or pause, pushing pause on something. I mean, it is a lifestyle commitment. It's something you're going to work around. So it is important to have that, you know, support. And if it is just, that verbal, absolutely, we got it. Go do what you need to do. And hey, don't forget your water. You know, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> that's yes. huge. That's huge. And I also want to point out too that it's not for everybody. Yeah. You know, like it is not for everybody and nobody um, should sacrifice their mental or emotional health to be in a situation of pumping um, and it's not serving them. Like yeah. it, this is not something for everybody, but, um, if you don't, that's okay too. Like, 
I feel mm -hmm. like mental health is the first and foremost. And if that is suffering by any means, then you have to do what's best for you at that point. Sure. Um, and that goes for even like moms, you know, like yeah, if you're not taking care of yourself and if you're not feeling your best, then you need to do what's best for you at that point. Because if you're not good, then nobody's good. Absolutely. What would you say? So for, for gestational carriers and, you know, just delivering persons, whether they be biological or a gestational carrier, but we'll speak specifically to a carrier. What would you say to her as far as she has decided she does not want to pump? What's kind of the best tips and tricks, I suppose, for drying up that milk and making it, you know, a bit of a less discomfort process. I always say I, I got mastitis twice and I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. It's and, the worst. Okay, it's the worst. The yeah. worst. <laughs> um, so I feel like we might have it a little bit easier um, as gestational carriers because we could do a couple of things that maybe uh, somebody who's um, has their own baby cannot do. Um, sure. I would absolutely take Sudafed. Yeah. It's going to dry up all your those mucous membranes, right? So that's mm -hmm. going to help a lot. Um, I would wear a, a tighter bra, nothing super constricting. You don't want to, you know, be super tight. Um, I would take peppermint oil and dilute it in some coconut oil and just rub it on your chest. Okay. Um, you could do ice. Um, you want to stay away from hot showers. Mm, okay. <laughs> Anything that's going to stimulate um, milk and a letdown. And then the best weaning process is always slow. Slow, mm. slow, slow. So I would start if you usually pump every three hours, I would push it back to four. And then I would push it back to five and I would continuously go until you're at two pumps a day, right? You've got it down to 12 hours. Yeah. And then after those two pumps a day, I would um, start decreasing the pumping session. So if you're pumping for 30 minutes, I would then cut it down to 20 and 10 until you feel like, okay, like I don't, I don't need to pump anymore, but slow is absolutely a necessity if you do not want mastitis. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, that's super, that's super fantastic advice. So you had said, um, you know, all of your, all of your journeys were in Florida, um, but you were still having to ship um, whether it was, you know, for others that you were donating to and things like that. I know, um, you know, being a coordinator and talking with my carriers and intended parents, that always seems like a very daunting task. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I feel like, um, I feel like especially the first couple times you ship, you are like a nervous wreck, right? Uh -huh. Like you have no clue, like how this is going to work. Um, the process is not, it's not that bad. I promise okay. you it is not that bad. So I had always, every single time I had not shipped from anybody other than FedEx. So I can't speak on anybody else, um, uh -huh. but I always shipped FedEx. I would always make sure that I was shipping on Monday or Tuesday so that if anything happened, it wasn't going to get caught up 
over the weekend. Sure. Um, I would ship at, when I first started to ship, I was doing overnight. Um, but then I pushed it back to two days because it was arriving like perfectly frozen. And then it was cheaper then for the IPs or as well, shipping two yeah. day instead of overnight. Um, so my first thing would be is I got polar tech boxes mm-hmm. off of um, Amazon. I never used any type of dry ice or anything, but the breast milk is was I always shipped a large quantity. So the breast milk was insulating itself, if that makes okay. any sense. Sure. sure. Um, so I always. I always store my um, milk in gallon size Ziploc bags. So there are 60 ounces and I would just stack them up fit as much, even if there's like the tiniest bit of space, you're gonna shove another bag of breast milk in there, you know, (laughs) so that it's completely sealed. I know I've had a couple of GCs say with any extra space, maybe they would put in like newspaper or things like that kind of as, insulation um and then after you kind of stuffed that all in did you put I know I've seen some people you know human milk or that kind of label um did you do any of that as well no I put fragile on it um (laughs) but other than that um it was always so funny because um almost every time I would go to ship the person behind the counter would ask, oh, what's in the box? (laughs) And then, of course, you would get crickets. I'm sure. I'm sure. I don't think it's every day that people are shipping breast milk. (laughs) Well, and you cut out one more time. So you said the, your milk relationship with the intended parents or donors or, you know, that kind of thing, it's very much based on trust. So they're trusting that you're sterilizing and you said and not ingesting anything, correct? Yes. And then I'm trusting that they're gonna pay for the milk. Right. So I would always pay for shipping. And then they'd go ahead and transfer um the shipping cost, you know, and the milk cost to me. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. I've never ever um had anybody not pay me ever. Um I have only had, there was two situations with the milk arriving. One time, um, the box was lost for eight days. Oh, no. But the milk still arrived semi-frozen. Wow. I don't know how. Yeah, no clue. Um, But the rule is, as long as there's still some sort of ice crystals in the bag, slushy, it's able to be refroze and they were able to salvage all of that milk. Oh, thank goodness. Yes. I feel super blessed that I've only had two situations with uh, the shipping that were wrong. One of them was salvageable. The other one was not. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I feel super, super lucky about that. Oh, I mean, your experience and then those tips and tricks are just beyond helpful to anybody who's, you know, doing this, whether it's, you know, a mom that's somewhere that needs to get the milk home from where the, you know, vacation or a gestational carrier. So thank you for, for sharing, you know, all of that. 
Is there anything, you know, before I let you go and continue your studying to become a registered nurse so that you can help others, um, is there any advice that you would give to any woman who is thinking about becoming a potential surrogate or any surrogates now that are maybe, you know, trying to figure out if the pumping journey is right for them? So as far as like becoming a surrogate, the thing that I would probably say is do a lot of research. Make sure that the agency that you're going with is going to be a good fit for you. Um, make sure that they're concerned about who they're matching you with, right? Mm -hmm. Because that fit is so important. Um, like I said, I still am in contact with all, you know, three of the IPs and, um, I guess just be really honest with yourself on what you want out of this surrogate relationship that, you know, the yeah. whole journey itself so that you're not disappointed at the end, yeah. you know? So, um, and then also know, like, no matter what happens, you still did exactly what you came in to do, right? Mm -hmm. You helped somebody, you helped another family have a baby. Uh, and that, I think, is the most rewarding thing out of all of it. Um, and then as far as, like, uh, pumping goes, I think that I think that most surrogates know. I think yeah. that they know ahead of time if this is something that they're interested in or not. No expectations, no guilt try and if it works it works and if it doesn't it doesn't don't you know be hard on yourself if it doesn't work out is really i think the takeaway here is that it's not for everybody and you just have to do what's best for you yeah absolutely absolutely okay my final question for you for anybody who knows me they know that i have a very unhealthy relationship with coffee and i drink it way too much and so i it's the afternoon and i'm on cup number three what <laughs> literally or figuratively what filled your cup this morning coffee yeah i had coffee this morning and i will have a smoothie in a little bit but that's it coffee is life for me as well awesome yes Yes. Not only are we Soro sisters, we're coffee sisters. <laughs> yes. Beautiful. Well, Julie, I seriously just, I so appreciate you taking the time to, um, you know, give us your knowledge and um, I'm so excited for you and all of your endeavors. For anybody who wants to find out more, I know you've kind of put a pause on your personal practice. Where would <laughs> yes. they go to maybe find out more about you and what you do as a doula and lactation consultant, maybe after you've become a nurse? Um, I do have a Facebook page, which is non-active at the moment. I okay. had deleted my entire Facebook app like I can't. It's not even something that I could indulge in at the moment. Um, <laughs> but it is, uh, I think it's like Julie V. Okay. DLC, I think is what it is. Thank you again. I so appreciate you giving your time. I know it is so valuable and um, good luck to you. Thanks so much. Yes, my pleasure. Yes. Oh my goodness. Well, thank you. Okay, Julie, well, you have a fantastic day and um, happy studying, my friend. <laughs> you have just finished listening to an episode of Me, You, and Who. 
To find out more about Egg Donor and Surrogate Solutions, go to www.createahappyfamily.com.